Hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Red and White Authority. I'm Art Regner. This is episode number 18, and it gives me a great pleasure to welcome, uh, as we're calling this kind of alumni week, and uh, because it's fantasy camp, one of the uh, Red Wing alum that are uh, here to help the fantasy campers live their dreams is former Red Wing defenseman Anders Eriksson, and uh, it's always great to catch up with Anders. Anders, thanks for being here. Thanks for doing this. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's fun. Uh, I wanted to ask, because I've known you a long time, you know, you were one of the Red Wings that I always gravitated to when you were here on the team. Would you, I've always looked at your generation of European player maybe being the first, not wave of European players, but the first time that Europeans were, I don't know, accepted into the NHL, but were drafted on a, a yearly basis. I mean, I can remember when the Red Wings were a bad team and Vaslav Nedimansky, who wasn't drafted by them, came over. Might have been one of the first Europeans and, of course, Borja Salming, right. uh, living legend now. Uh, but what was it like for you? Because did you grow up with aspirations in Sweden of being an NHL player or was it just Swedish Elite League at that point? Uh, that's a good question. I think when... When we grew up, uh, the era of the born 75, 74, 75, we all wanted to make it to the national team. Like they had the big national team playing against the Russians, playing against Slava, Fetisov, and the Lorianovs and all that. That's what we wanted. That was the big thing, at least for me. The uh, inspiration or aspiration to come over to NHL, that, that was far aside. Like we didn't really think about it because we didn't have that many players over oh, well we have Matt Snaslin, we have right. you know the Thomas Johnson who was in um, uh, in Islanders and we, we had Hawk and Lube and all those guys but but it was never really the, the flow of Swedes playing in the National Hockey League uh, I remember when, when I got called and they were saying we we're gonna go to the draft in Quebec in 93 and I'm like okay great I mean this is fun but the aspiration when you were younger you wanted to get into the Elite League Obviously, like you said, and after that, the big dream was to play for Sweden in the national team. When you're drafted by the Red Wings, uh, are, are you surprised or are you psyched up and you're thinking, hey, I've got a chance to play in the best league in the world here? Absolutely. Oh, no. I mean, it, it was an amazing surprise. And, I mean, I, I had a good junior career. I, I played in the World Juniors. I played... Uh, even with older guys, and I, I made it early, so I played two and three years of, of, of those stuff. And I, we came over for under-17 se tournament uh, in Ontario, in Canada, when we were young. And then you, you get the feel for the hockey and how much faster it was. And it was, it was really inspiring to see a different part of the game. And then we played our World Juniors in Red Deer, Alberta. And that's really when you started to, wow, like this would be really cool to do. And we, we collected all the cards and whatever. Now when we came over and you bought the cool T-shirts and, and hoodies. And, but then, uh, you know, you went back and you, you, I made the, the Elite League team in Moto. And that was a huge milestone. That was amazing. But then at 18, we, I, you know, I got drafted and uh, wasn't really sure if I was going to go to the Red Wings. We, we had meetings when we got to Quebec and we had talked to a few teams. And, and uh, I ended up obviously... The, Super excited to, to go to the Red Wings, obviously, with Nick being here and, you know, having the history of how, how good the Red Wings are and they're one of the original six. When you, uh, when you arrive in Detroit, now I know you said that you played here some in North America. Uh, we just had the World Junior Summer Showcase. Right. And one of the Red Wings' uh, second-round pick, Gustav uh, Lindstrom, yep. uh, he was... <laughs> He had never played a game on the small rink until he got to Plymouth last week. 
And that's all he was obsessed with it. That's all he talked about. And trust me, Anders, we talked to him every single day. Uh, but he got each game, he got better. He right. got better. What kind of adjustment was it for you? I mean, it's one thing to play in the World Juniors and play against that, and that's great competition for your age level. Now you're stepping onto an NHL rink with NHL players on a small ice surface. Yeah, no, I mean, the, the, it really proves how the game is different, but it's still the same game. But everything is, like, obviously smaller, <laughs> it, it, and, and everything happens so much quicker. And the dump and chase kind of game doesn't work on the Olympic-sized rinks. At home, you, you want a possession of the puck. And obviously, I think with all the Russians that came in, that sort of took over here in Detroit. And I think that's why Detroit, we were so good because we kept the possession of the puck. We never dumped it in. Or, uh, but it, it was an adjustment for D when they come and they get over the red line and dump it and they come 200 miles an hour and they hit you. They don't go in and poke like the Europeans did back then. <laughs> you got ran. But it, it, it took an adjustment time to it. But, I, I mean, the, the, the team that I got on my first year, I, I, did, I went down to their minors, but my first training camp, watching these players. I mean, I sat beside Slava Fatisov and Paul Coffey, and then you had Steve Eisenman, you have Nick Lidstrom, you have, I mean, it, it was just on and on. I think from that team, I think we're nine Hall of Famers. Right, so when you when you look at it that way, in the adjustment that you made, talk about your relationships with uh, uh, with coaches, Scotty, uh, was Louis very instrumental in your development? Was there somebody that you look back on now that, uh, I, I know Scotty is, you know, kind of comes and goes into his own his own world. But we love you, Scotty. We yeah. we do. But I mean, what 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 was it like that transition for you? Was there someone, uh, whether it was a teammate or a coach, somebody that you kind of leaned on? Because is it a you know, it's one thing being a professional hockey player just in a small ice surface, but you're in North America now. Is it a bit of a culture shock to you? I mean, how was it? Because you're just a you know, you're a young man at that point. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, it was. It was fairly big step moving over from Sweden over the pond and now you're 20 years old and you live in a different country and it's semi new language that would take English in school it's mandatory third grade and up but it it's the slang and it's the thing right. and then but uh, Louis Louis was a big part of, of, of always been a big part of my career he, he was very smart he was um, he, he gave me the opportunity to fail but still to succeed if that makes sense. Right, like no, it, I understand he, he let me play my game and, and sort of for me to figure out that that probably won't work over here instead of screaming and yelling. Uh, and Nick obviously was a big part of it as well. Uh, and, and you watch, you know, you, when, you, when you have the opportunity to be around guys like Slava and, and, and Paul, Paul Coffey, and, and anybody, and you watch how they are. Steve Eisman was a huge thing. You see how hard he worked both before the practice and after practice and he come in on you know on weekends when there was no practice and he still was here uh, and I worked out one summer with him and, and Draper uh, oh my gosh. Uh, when we were here and we actually drove to, to his place and we, we worked out in Gross Point and uh, that was that was a big step when, when somebody obviously is the franchise player says hey I'm gonna take you sort of under my wing we're gonna do this and, and it was kind of like not star start but you're like wow like how this is why Detroit, to me, we talked about this the other day, that why is Detroit so much, but not better, but I played on a few teams, and right. Detroit's always been like a very tight-knit family, and how people care for each other, and people that work in this rink have worked here for 30 years, and it's not like you swap out, and they keep the core of the team they always had, and, and that was Kenny Holland's thing for training camps, he goes, okay, we have maybe one opening. Let's work really hard. And you, you can see when you look around the room, all the our young kids were sitting there, we're like, ah, it's one spot, that's it. But 
he was honest and it was truthful. And right. then when you got the shot, you, 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 they really supported you. Scotty had his own way of doing things. I love Scotty, and I always have. And we had our, we had our moments, but he's always been super su supportive. And he, the unique thing with Scotty, I think, is that he brings out the best in each player, and makes the best team. That just because you have all the best players doesn't mean you're going to win the cup. But if you can systematically like figure out, okay, you you fit in the, this piece is in a piece of the puzzle. That's why he is so successful. Well, you know, it's interesting you would bring that up because you could see uh, certain players over the years, and I've talked you know, to obviously a number of you guys, they, it essentially comes down to the fact is it wasn't so much he, it wasn't that he was like aloof so much. His mind was always on putting the right pieces together and getting the most out of each player to not only make them the best player that they could be, but to also be the best team that he could have. And so, I mean, that that's kind of a, maybe that's what all coaches think, but he was unique because he was able to pull it off on several different teams. Right. No, and it, and it a lot of times he, as any player, has your own little ego that, well, I want to... I want to be this type of player, and I want to do this, and I'm a scorer, and I can do this. But he, he, he will come and challenge you, and and into do something that you maybe not comfortable or do not want to do, or have never seen yourself being in that position as a player. And at the end of the day, at the end of the season, when you stand there and you win the cup, or you have a fantastic, you you you, you respect him for what he can do. You don't have to. He always says that. Say the truth. You don't have to like me. Right. But you have to respect me the way, and I think you will. He he earns, he has earned the respect from anybody he has ever coached, and everybody who ever coached from Scotty will say that he he's amazing. He's quirky. He's different, but he always makes you better. Would did he have an open door? If you had a beef with him, or you wanted to know something, but you know when you ask Scotty a question, Lord only knows where where the answer is <laughs> going to go. But but. Uh, were you comfortable enough, or was he receptive to if you wanted to go into the, you know into his little office there in the old configuration of the right. how the locker room used to be at Joe Lewis? Go in there and sit down and say, "Hey, what gives?" Right. Yeah, I, I think, but you had that respect. So you used both Bill uh, Smitty and right. Louis. They were they were the buffers. Right. They they all worked those three stooges, as I call them. They, <laughs> they worked to, they worked well together. Right. Like Scott is, you know, the way he is, and then. Smitty does his thing, and Louis, and it all worked. And but uh, the biggest instrumental for me was Louis. Louis was it was great. Like, right. And he did that with anybody. And he, he, you know, even if you, I remember I got sad after a game, and I played the most I ever played. It was home. Uh, I played 25 minutes. I was excited. Comes after the game. It was that was you know great game, Andres. You did great. Right. Then and then I sat six games. And I'm thinking, I'm like, well, why? And I talked to Louis. He goes, well, you remember we had played the left wing lock, and you stood up, and then they came by, they didn't score, and then you did it again, and then you you, you figured out that you're not supposed to do that. Yeah, but I played so much. He goes, yeah, that's excellent. So after two games, obviously Scott of meaning don't do that, and you definitely don't do it twice in one game. <laughs> right. So there was someone like, okay, here's a little pee pee spank for you. Now you know, but. Then it became three games, and even Louis goes, okay, I think he got it. And then it was four games, or five games, and six games. And then he put me back in. But tough love, I guess, maybe is the way to put right. it. And, and But I never did it again. Was it 
How was it a difficult then transition for you? Because you were kind of in and out of the lineup in the beginning there. But I mean, you know, obviously they liked you. You're a high draft pick for the Red Wings. They, you know, you win cups with this team. But I mean, what 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 was it like when you look back? I mean, do you think that, uh, uh, boy, it was was it more difficult, or did you than you thought it was going to be? Because most guys come in thinking because everyone's a world-class player when you get to this level as you very well know so you get in and you're thinking did you have any kind of uh aspirations that not personal aspirations i mean but just how it was going to be and then how it turned out as far as the game itself um no i i I think i adjusted fairly well to it um but it's also because of the the level of how good the team was, mm-hmm. both individual and as teams, and and uh, the way we played, the system we had. It was it, it was an amazing team to play on. But when you're playing on it, it's just the everyday normal thing. That this is what Red Wings are all about. We play the left wing lock. We always have guys coming down. You always have two or three options to get the puck out of the zone. You realize it when you go somewhere else and play. Mm-hmm. When I went to Chicago, it was. There's a lot of things, but not a lot of systems. And and even when I went to Florida, it was the same thing. It was just run and go, run and go. And even Igor can probably testament to this too, because we played together in, in Florida with the Panthers. And when I got there, he goes, "Oh, thank goodness! At least somebody can pass the puck. At least right. now I can come down. I can get it." And but it's, we're trying to bring the 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 Red Wing kind of system to anywhere you went, and you talk to the coaches, and because everybody wanted to play the Wings, right, right. But nobody really could put it all together. Well, you know, I, I wanted to jump because I know we only have you a limited time because you have to get out on the ice for the big finale here, yes. the fantasy finale game where I'm sure you're going to lead your team to victory. Uh, but uh, you were traded. Yes. But you were traded for Chris Chelios, which, you know, I, I guess if you have to be traded, to be traded for a player like that. But what was it like being traded from, for, as, you, as you said, this is, I know you consider yourself a Red Wing. I know this is a family environment. I know every time you walk in this building, people are so happy to see you here. But was it a shock? Were you disappointed? Uh, the adjustment, because, you know, I think normal people think, well, you know, again, yeah, but he's making all kinds of money. It's just a game. Right. But it had an impact on, on the personal level. It's got to be huge. Oh, of course it did. I mean, I, I remember when, when the call came. I had picked up my friends from the airport, and you look at the number, and you go, 313-396-7514. I'm like, oh, <laughs> this is Nancy Baird calling. <laughs> yes. And it's 3 o'clock on deadline. I'm going, we all knew, and I called. And, and it, when it happens, you're going, I, I'm a very positive thinking person. So either you, people can say, well, they got rid of me because they didn't want you. And I, I think, well, they, Chicago really wanted me. And they wanted Chelly. So, I mean, it worked out that way. And I, I, I mean, I'm good friends with Chelly. And, and he helped me a lot when I got there. But, but it was a shock. It was, I never thought I was going to get traded. Uh, and it wasn't really that. I think the hardest part is when you get traded once, then you, it's harder to stop. Like I mean, when when Gretzky can get traded, anybody can get traded, right, and that's right. when it literally all started. And then, but it also become a bigger business now than it was twenty years ago. Like now, I mean, it's billions and billions of dollars, and and, and it's escrows, and it's this, and it's a, it become a huge business. But when I got traded, I, I, the opportunity when I got to Chicago was fantastic. I don't think the team was really set in how they they didn't really know what they wanted to do there either. Um, had a Great time, I loved it, and I, I, I accelerated as a player, and then got more ice time, and I got a bigger role. But then, yet again, 
money has really nothing to do with when you play right, because right. a lot of people say this, oh wow he's making millions of dollars or he's making hundreds of thousands of dollars but that's not how you look at when you play you you, you want to win if you have the taste of winning that's why people are willing to take less money and come and play for the wings or for the contender like pittsburgh or whoever it is they take less money because they want to win it's not all about the money after Detroit, after you were traded, you said then it's kind of almost like a chain reaction. Uh, you, you go from one team to another and all that. But when you walk into the room, you're a Stanley Cup champion. So I would imagine that uh, instant respect for you, but also you became more of a mentor. And as you said, ice time increased. I mean, you were looked at as, and I, you know, I don't mean this as a stretch, but you know, the way you kind of looked at maybe a Steve Eiserman or Igor, when you walk into a room, they kind of say, well, Anders Ericsson, this guy played for, for the Wings. I mean, this guy's a Stanley Cup champ. I mean, that had to be kind of gratifying, I would imagine. Yeah, you, you, you can see there were younger kids coming up and asking and obviously asking about the same thing, but you, you can't feel like I didn't go to Chicago to fill Chelly's shoes. Right, That's right, not right. going to happen. Right. Well, was, were there expectations that way? I, I believe were... it was a little bit of that, but I think I lived up to it when, we, when, we, when I got there and even the year after. I got traded and I was the leading scorer on the team, <laughs> but I got traded because of same thing, it was contract issues. And, and then I go to Florida, and I, I loved it in Florida. And I had a great career in Florida for the year I was there. And then, they, obviously, the GM and they, both the brothers got let go, and they went to Anaheim, and they wanted me to go to Anaheim. And I'm like, okay, well, can you match sort of where I'm at with pay? And they're like, oh, I'm not really sure. And then Toronto called the first day, and I know Pat Quinn f for a while, and he said, well, I'll give you this. Three years, this is what you're going to get. And I'm going, Wow. But it was also intimidating to go to Toronto because I knew I was, and I called and talked to Matt Sandine, and I said, what do you think? He goes, well, at the end of the day, it's an amazing place to play, but it is tough. So I called and I talked to, Murray, to Brian Murray, and I said the same thing. Like, can, I, can you match this from Toronto? He goes, no, that's not happening. And I'm like, okay, well, at the end of the day, I can, I can break my knee tomorrow. At least now I'll have this. I'm right. trying to think a little ahead. Right, exactly. Retrospect, looking back, I, yeah, I probably should have gone to Anaheim knew and they wanted me they saw what i did and they traded for me so but i don't regret anything i, I a lot of people said you played on seven different teams it's amazing but the amount of friends and and, and people outside hockey and i still keep in contact with them and it, it was a, it's been an amazing journey it's been ups and downs i've been out of the league and back in the league i've been in russia playing i've been back here and playing so it's it's been adversary but i think it, it really forms you as a person and how you look at things differently. You know, we always joke, whenever the Leafs come into town, we always say for each Leaf that's on the roster, there's like eight media members for one guy. For every. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it, 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 it's it's a traveling sideshow, the, the yeah. press corps for Toronto. So it, it, It's crazy. Yeah, it is. And, and they are, without question. I mean, you know, I love Toronto. You know, I've been there many, many times. But the, it begins and ends with the Leafs in that city. Yeah. I mean, it's all about them. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to explain for people uh, how big hockey is in Canada, but especially in Toronto. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's no bigger market. And people that sit on their farms 200 miles away, they, 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 on Saturday night hockey, they watch, everything is shut down. Right, right. Like, it's, it's crazy. And, and people like Fanuf, when he came and I played with him, and, and he was a young kid playing in Calgary, we were partners, we played, we had a really good year, and then uh, I got traded or got sent down. No, no, I got traded after. And then when he got traded to... Um, Toronto, I call him up and I said, hey, you know what, congrats if that's the right thing to say. I said, but if you ever need anything, just let me know. Because mm -hmm. I do know a lot of people. I've been there for 15 years. And he goes, no, 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 I'm fine, I'm fine. I'm like, well, just, I'm going to give you this. Calgary, if you think media is hard, yeah. that's 
uh, child's play. I said, when you were in Toronto, you're going to get scrutinized. I said, taking over and coming in after guys, Sandine, Clark, you know, you, you name them. It's, it's religion. He goes, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. A month went by, he called, he goes, hey, can we go for a cup of coffee? I'm like, <laughs> it's a little different. And he goes, oh, yeah. So, but if you can make it in Toronto, you, you, that would be the same thing as a wing. You, you're Toronto for, for life. Right, right. But you have to be able to be strong and have thick skin. Otherwise, you, you won't make it. Right. There is a similar culture. It's not as prevalent here in Detroit, but but you're right. The uh, And I think it's because Detroit is such a, uh, a four-sports town. They have all four professional yep, yep. majors, plus the colleges when you throw in Michigan and Michigan State, which are, you know, they're kind of pro teams too, at yep. least as fan base going. So, uh, but... Once you're embraced by that culture, as you said, you remain part of that culture right. forever. Yeah. You know, it's immortal, kind of. Uh, I, I, the thing I find interesting, Anders, is, you know, because we've, you know, we've known each other a long, long time, and is that you have a really kind of good perspective on all of this. Yet again, and I'm, I'm going from a fan perception, is, is that even though you've been traded, they just look at it, well, he's going from one NHL team to another, and even though organizations might be different, it's essentially the same, that, you know, right. when, you, when you look at it, how do you compare all the different organizations that you played for, because they're not the same, although I think that the perception is from a fan perspective, as I said, is that they are all the same. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that the hardest thing is if you go in and start comparing and say, well, this is the way it was in the Leafs and this was the plane they had there. That's the hard part. But right, because we all know, as you said, right. when the Russian Five and the puck possession game came and the way the Red Wings were so dominant, everybody tried to play that way on the ice. Right. But, and that was difficult and you had several teams that tried to do it that way right. and, you know, you were trying to teach it to them and Igor was happy to see you, yet... I'm looking at it more like off the ice. You're in each each time you're in a different city. The the, the team, the, you know, their philosophy might be different how to treat players. You know, the Calgary treats us this way. You know, right. Toronto treats us this way. Detroit treats us this way. I mean, I don't know if people really get that full spectrum that this is a this just isn't a game. You're not playing a game. This is real life for you. Yeah, no, I'm sure it is. I mean, it, but any any team owner, any organization is trying to create that that you feel part of. The city, the community, the all this stuff, and then they branch out and they reach out to the community to do whatever it is to 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 spread the hockey or but it's, because hockey is amazing. Like it, it's an amazing sport, and I say I believe it's the best sport you can ever play because you you learn so much from it that you can bring further on in life if it's business or family or kids or whatever. It, it truly does, uh, and it's such a cliche cliche to say. Well, you're only as strong as your weakest link, but that's hockey. Mm -hmm. And 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 if it doesn't cling, if it doesn't click, it, it's not going to work. Right, right. You know, and and they, they they spoil us. Any organization, any guy who plays hockey or plays in at this level, we are spoiled, but for the right reasons because we worked hard for it. We do our thing, and it's not lala. I mean, it, it's so much things that go into this. If you're looking back on anybody's career, how much we have sacrificed to be where we're at. That is also, I mean, we can talk about that since the cows come home, but, right, right. but I enjoyed every organization I've been to, and it's been different. It's been good and worse and better, and, but uh, it all, everybody's trying to, to do that. And then I'm sad to see Joe, the Joe Lewis go away because this is old-time hockey. Like, this is right. how I 
always saw hockey being. I, I was fortunate enough to play in the old garden, the Maple Leaf Garden. I played in Boston Garden. I, play, I missed Montreal Forum. Did I play in that? No, I missed Chicago's old stadium. I oh, missed you, you never played in the old I never played in the, in, in the old Chicago yeah, stadium. Yeah. That was the only one. And then I played in all the other ones. And now when you go into the new ones, like it's... I mean, we went and did the the tour at the Little Caesar. Like it's huge. Like it's it's right. it's, it's amazing, you know. Right. How 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 things have changed over twenty years. I mean, then when you talk to Ted, Lindsay, and those guys, I mean, they had nothing, but it's still the love of the game, and right. and it's still a family. You can still go in anywhere. Literally, if you get traded or you haven't been part of hockey, you go into it. You always know somebody who knows somebody, and you're instantly in. Right. Well, you know, I don't know if you miss much. The, the Chicago Stadium was a, w- was a unique experience because you guys had to go up and down stairs, I yeah. think, to get to the ice. But every time when I was growing up and they played, the Wings played Chicago and I'd watch the games religiously on television, it always seemed that there was a full-fledged brawl in the stands. I'm not talking two or three guys. I'm talking right. entire sections just duking it out. Yeah. And, you know, as a little kid, I was like, wow, this is yeah. looks like a pretty fun city to go to. <laughs> but, I mean, I'll always forget about the old Chicago Stadium. Let's uh, let's jump ahead a little bit. Uh, winning Stanley Cups, I mean, you know, I can sit here and say, you know, not that Anders Ericsson, this is your life, but uh, I, I would imagine still when you look back the feeling and the teams that you played on and be part of a team that won a cup for a city who hadn't won it in 42 years right. had to be absolutely a tremendous. Yeah, I, I think it's, even to this day, still sitting there and you think about it and you, you get goosebumps and, and how it was to come down Woodward Avenue with a uh, you know, million people and, and how appreciative they were and, and the interest. And people are very knowledgeable hockey. That's one thing. I mean, and... and, and they, they truly love the game of hockey. And it doesn't matter if you're Steve Eisenman or if you're the stick boy, they still treat you the same with right. respect. And that's an amazing part, I think, with hockey and, and people in Detroit area and, uh, and in other cities as well. But it, it is very special here. It's obviously a very team that drafted me. I won a cup. I was young. I didn't really realize how hard it is to win it because I didn't win another one. So you can <laughs> see that's when you see Ray Bork like crying when he won it and right. his 20th and he had an amazing career and it's a hall of famer but he he took him 20 years 22 years to win it so detroit was unique because he didn't win for a long time and then it was four cups within a decade you know and, and pittsburgh is doing sort of the same thing right now again they they, they win three and four or two or two and three whatever it is it's it's when you keep the core, I think that's the biggest thing, because if you're trying to buy a team and buy a team, but if you have a good junior organization, a good AHL organization, and everybody plays the same systems and they all communicate, so when you do get the call up to come in, you can go straight in because it's the same system. A lot of teams had two different systems mm-hmm. in the minors and, 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 the, and the big teams. So when you get up, they, they're going through, you're going, well, that doesn't make sense. I haven't played this all year. So, I, But I think everybody's getting smarter. Everybody's, it's... I, 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 I don't know. I can't, I can't talk too much about I, I, I love the game of hockey, and I love what it's brought to, for me, for me and my family, my kids, and what I had to see in the stories and, and the experience. It's, it's right, amazing. Well, it's given you an extraordinary life is yes, what it's given you. Absolutely. You, yeah. When you, uh, I know you live in the United States, but when you go back home to Sweden, what, now what are the, the young Anders Eriksons thinking about? Are they thinking about the national team, which is still obviously a, a goal, I would imagine, but are they thinking NHL? No, they think thinking NHL. NHL has taken over. I mean, KHL is sort of trying to do their thing, and they're luring people over, you know, big bags of cash, but everybody wants to play in the NHL because it really has 
become it is the best league you can play in and the best player comes and and and, and the game and the hard because people people want to accelerate and want to be better every year and and now with from nutrition how you work out like we used to live heavyweights and it was olympic lifting and now it's all agility and it's you know five pound balls and it's jumping and it's called 3d practice and is this you know you have dots and and computers and things and but it makes the game better and everybody is you know bigger stronger faster compared to back then i mean you could water ski behind somebody in, in the 90s and you never get a penalty now you touch somebody and now it's a penalty good and bad but i mean the same thing right. people can say I don't know if it's 50-50 how people think about it, but game is, I, I, I miss the enforcers. That, that was part, I thought that was a big part of the game. That was, uh, a lot of people came and watched that because it, it was. Because it, it's tough. And yeah, it's, it, it is a man's sport. It's right, not, right, you know, exactly. And, and the, you go after the best player, well then the reprimander is you're going to get the fights and it's accelerating and it's, it's cool. But it, that's been sort of, weeded out you know a question that people always ask me as i said we were at the world junior showcase my colleague dana wakiji and 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 me last week and you know the red wings had prospects seven prospects there uh one from finland sorry there anders one from, <laughs> <laughs> and, and a couple from sweden but we were looking specifically at those two because canada and the united states were the uh, the four nations took part Nations that are not the behemoths that the United States is. I know Canada is a large country and area, population uh, you know, not quite as large, certainly, as the United States. But smaller countries like that turning out not only great hockey players, world-class hockey right. players. Is it, is it just a mindset? Is it the, the, the Swedish system so good? The Finnish system so good? Uh, Czech Republic? I mean, I could go on. The right. countries that you, when you look at, you think, my gosh, they're just churning out NHL talent. I, I think it's the way the system is. Like, you start early, but you have access to it, and, and coaches are educated. They know what they're doing. And they, they teach from the beginning, it is a team sport, it's not an individual sport. And, and when I went to Moto, that was one of the, the, it was the places people wanted to go. It right. was subsidized by the Hockey Federation of Sweden, and they only took in 12 kids a year. And I was one of them. And, and you come in there, then now you have a whole different, now you can't take you know, six hours of school away a week so you can work on hockey. But you had to get up at 5 in the morning and go to the rink and you played hockey and then went back to school, did school, and then you went back to the rink and then you had back to the rink. And so it's, it becomes part of you and it's a lot of rinks, a uh, lot of opportunities. You never really get traded. When you were in a team, you were on a team. Mm -hmm. And they tried to make the best thing they have. They, okay, I have 23 players. What can we do to do the best of it? It's not that you trade everybody and try to take. It's becoming more like that at home, right. and, and it's becoming a business and becoming more and more money. And, and the league, I feel, this, the league in Sweden has is not as good as it used to be. Mm -hmm. It's weeded out, but we do bring like the Setterbergs and you know the Lidstroms and Sundins and and Forsbergs and Naslins, and it's amazing that we can produce. Like you said, world class, like Hall of Fame players in such a small country. Right. No, it it, it is it is truly amazing. I know we got to let you go because I've I've kept you here way too long. But I want you to clear up a rumor that we've always heard, and it's with Thomas Holmstrom. Most of the Swedes I've ever talked to on the Red Wings think that he's really from Finland. <laughs> <laughs> 
Homer, Homer, Homer. <laughs> Everybody he loves him. He is Swedish, though, right? He is Swedish, but he lives up in Peter, which is in Lapland, pretty much. And it is very far in between your neighbors. And it's the little things when, you're, when, when you live up there that, that, that you like. But no, he's, he's not Finnish. But the language, the, their uh, dialect they have in Peter, where he's from, when they speak truly, you might as well be from Finland. Like, you don't understand. It's, it's not even a language. Right, right. You it's, know, it's you, the Laplanders, I used to kid them about Laplanders, because when I was in school, in elementary school, we would see, like, social study films on different cultures in the world, right. and I was always fascinated by Laplanders, because they're kind of a nomadic people, I think. They kind of, if I remember correctly, but they actually, their mode of transportation or the animal that they really rely on is an actual reindeer. Yeah. No. It's reindeers. It's yep. not like moose or elk nope, or anything. Nope. It's a it's a real which I thought was you know only Santa Claus had reindeers. You know Homer had reindeer meat for his wedding. <laughs> really? And it was delicious. Really? Yeah, yeah. And we were right by the airport in in tiki tiki huts almost like they're they're literally like Indian huts. It was great. It was fun. No, no. All right. Well, I'm glad we cleared that up. You know, yeah. Anders, that that that, that Homer. Uh, well, you know, I, my favorite expression when he wasn't playing much, he would always say that I'm in Scotty's dog yard <laughs> instead of we, dog. We house. talked. I sat and talked with a few of the participants in this camp here yesterday, and I'm just telling a few stories for him because it's it's just funny. I remember we sat in the locker room, and he comes in and he goes, "Oh, it's really cool. It's like ice bears," and everybody's like, "Like what? Ice bears? No, the white ones? No, this polar bears." He goes, "No, no, no, no. They're called ice bears because in Swedish translation is isbjorn, which we mean." I spare. Really? <laughs> he translated literally with everything he did, but that's what we love, Homer. And he still does it to this day. I talked to him and Nick the other day. Well, I was chatting with Nick t two days ago, and they were together because Nick's oldest, Adam, no, Kevin, no, Adam. Adam is old, sorry. No, Kevin is oldest. He is up and he actually lives with Homer uh, in his family because he, he goes to, he plays for their team. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I said, you guys can't even get away from each other when you retired like you have to live like buy him an apartment no 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 with, with homers we know they're going to get fed and all that so it's funny yeah <laughs> it's, it's pretty yeah. hilarious yeah. well you know Anders great having you I know you have to get back on the ice you're a little bit late right now and I do apologize for that but it's great seeing you you know yeah. when when you were here in Detroit I always enjoyed talking to you I liked yeah. spending time with you you were always very good to me I truly appreciate that and uh yeah I'd like to say it's always good when you come back to your North American home here in the city oh, of Detroit. Thank so. you. No, I, I enjoy it. And I, I'm, I've been, I was, I was away for a long time, uh, just for whatever reason. I played hockey elsewhere, right. but I always enjoy coming back. Right. I, I really do. Anders, thanks very much, and uh, good luck in in today's game. I'm gonna win. It's the last game of the Joe, and I will win.